Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you're well. This is episode 71 of the Mr. Money Jar Show and is part two of Grow Business Finances with Elizabeth from the Clinic of Marketing. We had Elizabeth on last week and she put on an absolute clinic on um, how to grow your business finances. Um, very engaging session, a different sort of session to uh, the things we talk about on the Mr. Money Jar Show because we normally focus on the personal finances but Elizabeth is especially um, gifted when it comes to business finances. And we had lots of different people on the live. Um, some brands that I've worked with previously, shout out to Bequest and other business owners uh, tuning in to learn more about how business finances worked. We had such a great conversation that I said to Elizabeth on the live that I'd love to pause it and get her back on so we could do a part two. So we're going to dive straight back into that conversation from where we left off. I can see that she is in the comments. So let me invite her into the live. And great to see everyone signing in. Oh, inviting her in. Hey Elizabeth. Hey Timmy, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so thankful that I'm back so quickly as well. I thought you were gonna say, do you know, what? let's let it breathe for a week or month or two, but yeah, being <laughs> back so quickly is good. So I really appreciate it. No, no, no worries at all. Um, I think, I mean, not much really needs to be said. The volume of questions and requests and yeah. stuff that were coming through last week, not just from the people that are watching, but from myself, because I personally learned a lot from that conversation, I think was testament to just how great your business is and how deep your level of expertise is. So um, yeah, if I remember correctly, last time, like, should we do introductions again? Yeah, sure, sure. So Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah. Hey everyone. Thank you. So, hey everyone. I'm Elizabeth. I'm from the Clinic of Marketing, and I basically started as a graduate in finance, and then business development, then sales, and then realised by doing sales, including cold calling, including telephone sales, including door to door um, knocking, um, that marketing was the single thing that could help sales be easier, faster, better. And a lot of businesses are scared of it. So I, I transitioned into marketing, doing marketing in corporate for a few years. And then because of COVID, um, my friend suggested that I start putting actual tangible tips on how to use marketing to sell. Um, and I say to sell because a lot of people talk about marketing as marketing and not in, in terms of selling necessarily, which there's a big difference. And um, from COVID, literally March last year, I've just been um, you know, having clients with the business I have now, which is the clinic of marketing. And yeah, I'm just here to serve and help people. Awesome. And we talked about a few key themes last week. We talked, for example, about people seeing social media as the strategy when in fact it was the tactic. Yes, yes. yes. So, um, 
people treating people not realizing that social media is the the tool mm-hmm. but it isn't the thing that you're trying to build we talked about um the importance of because one of the questions you got was around like if you were going to hire someone for a business who yeah. you hire and you talked about the importance of hiring generalists rather than specialists yeah no roles. social media managers <laughs> no social media managers although we love them yes, on the show no, no shade but um that was one of the things that emerged and last time I'm just reading through the questions that we asked last time and then we'll go into the very next question i had so yeah. one of the questions I asked you last time was like what mo- what motivated you to start your business the number one mistake people make with regards to their business finances um and what are some of the great things that someone can do to grow their business finances well and during that growing your business finances well portion of the conversation we also talked about um i've gone the term you use now um something handling oh objection handling objection handling that's it that's it so foreseeing what issues people are likely to have up front so that, so that you can sell your product more accurately the next question that I had was what tools, platforms or services do you use to grow your business finances? And I'll broaden that out to, um, do you see people using in general as well? If you don't press and use them yourself. Yeah. So I think um, generally a lot of people use more tools than they need. What people tend to have or not have is a good CRM or even an Excel spreadsheet. And I'm sure Tim will love this because he's really good at Excel. Um, <laughs> but what I, the reason why I say social media managers aren't adequate, just going a bit back to in this, in smaller, smaller, smaller businesses, let me be clear, the bigger the business, the more you need a social media manager. The reason why is because generally they're not technically used to, or necessarily willing to, because it's not within their remit to data track. And when I say data track, I don't mean going on the last 30 posts and just checking how many people liked, commented and shared. I mean, as a business as a whole in terms of the flow of the leads, where they're coming from, data analytics from a website, the conversions from sales calls, every all of those metrics need to be housed in one um, area. And that's why I say, if you have a generalist, they're not scared to look at the website, the back end of the website. They're not scared to look at the core performance of the last 30 days. And again, a CRM can be a great way to use that. So literally a tab for each part of your marketing and you know sales calls and website, just to see what's happening. And if you want to be a bit more fancy, there are many CRMs that do allow you. So I use um, something called Airtable, which my okay. friend built out. So it is basically like a custom, it's, it's Excel on steroids, right? So it's got a lot of features. It does a lot of the formula for you. It's not something you can build out of scratch, but you customize, it's like Lego. So that's what I personally, I use. And it makes it easy for me for anyone to enter a person or enter a marketing campaign I've done and I can see the conversion rate, the performance, the notes, attaching this, attaching that, getting calculations automatically. So I don't need to, or the person helping me calculate stuff doesn't need to mathematically need to do it or think of formally. And what I hate with Excel is you can get things wrong or have errors and yeah. So that's what I use. <laughs> and yeah, and you know, with I know with Excel you can create pie charts and you know, colorful things, but I'm not technically able to do that. I don't want to hire a data scientist. I might need to hire Timmy because he's really good at Excel, I can tell. 
But I prefer to use Airtable to take that out and just make it easier to look at the numbers. So that's one, that's two sister, um, two things. The other thing can as I, well is the team. Can yes. I confess something on the internet? Um, I don't use a CRM. Um, I have I have HubSpot, like I've signed up to it. I've never used it. So how can, you know, if, if someone is in that same position where they've kind of heard of a CRM, they've maybe gone so far as signing up, but they're looking for that use case or that application, um, what would your words be to them? Or to me, seeing yes. as I am covertly yes. asking about myself? Yeah, so um, I don't know how you generate your biz, your actual, um, I don't know if you do inbound or outbound, it doesn't really matter, but obviously there are campaigns that are going, there are campaigns that will happen, there are campaigns that have happened. And also, even if you've done one campaign with Bequest, for example, that may not be the only way or the only time you do a working, you have a working relationship with that brand. So one, you want to make sure that, especially if you're pitching on email, you want to know what worked, what the um, conversion rate was, how long they took to apply, what steps that company needed to see before you worked with them, what the campaign was. All of this can be housed because I don't know about you, but I can't keep it in my brain or it's not really clear to pull it in note form. I need to see like a chronological order of a, um, of a company I've worked with, you've worked with, the journey that they've done. And even more importantly, you need to see how effective you are with the campaign objectives and outcomes. So I assume you don't just, you're not just a pretty face, you actually help people drive revenue, customers to a brand. I don't know how you track that and I want you to actually answer because that'll be interesting for me. To me, the best way to track that is to have your discount code and ask the company or even, you know, get it directly. This is what happened when I generated this. This is what happened. This is what some people commented because I'm sure a lot of people DM you saying, oh, I love that you said this or thank you to me. This is so to me, that's where everything will be housed in terms of what I've done, what I'm doing and what I'm planning to do. How do I track that? I think at the moment I track it in Notion and I track yes. it as part as part of like a project management exercise. So I can go back through Notion and I can look at specific clients I've worked with or specific projects. I can look at all of the different actions I've done, the people I've been in contact with, um, what I need to do next. But my, I mean, like the, the clues in the sea of CRM, the customer bit, it's kind of a CRM platform is more geared towards relationships rather than actions, which is what I use Notion for. Yeah, but do you pitch? I don't. I don't pitch. I don't sell. Yeah, so that's the thing. So um, I'm not. I don't. To me, I feel like HubSpot is a big beastie tool, which is great. But I feel like if you use a Notion, because I literally thought you're doing it off the top of your head or notes. I do think <laughs> Notion is suffice. It, it is. It's not just a simple. It's not like Trello, right? I think Trello um, is a bit too basic. But anything past Trello, I think, is enough for someone like you and i'm not just saying that so i think you're fine if you were pitching you'd obviously want to understand the sales cycle but because people come to you the sales cycle kind of already starts so you don't need to worry you don't to me you don't seem like you need to chase people even if they've approached you and i feel like a customer management tool is good because you're actually doing business development as well as seeing what happens at the end yeah it's also worth saying that it's not a flex i think it's just a, a a byproduct of um, content creation as a business. You have a, a storefront, um, which is your page. And actually, like if you're creating content and it speaks to 
people who want to collab with you, brands who want to um, maybe sponsor something, then you kind of are, you're, you're content marketing. So you're, you're kind of selling by creating. Um, and that's just a concept. But there are, like back in the day when you were doing cooking oil, <laughs> unless someone wanted that <laughs> that specific type of oil, um, you would you would have to be outbound and actually knocking exactly. on doors as, as you did. Exactly. And one thing which I want to say that Timmy has Notion, guys. Notion is not a like a piece of paper online. It is literally a very, very like not that sophisticated, but it allows different things. It's very flexible and I and a lot of people don't even have Notion. They don't even have Excel. So if anyone if no one if you don't even have Excel, then this is where I would start with CRM. If you find CRMs, HubSpot, I would not recommend, especially mm -hmm. if you're a team of one. Um so that's why you probably didn't use it because it wasn't enticing and I completely understand. CRM, Notion, I use Asana sometimes. I use it for more project management, but still, you have to start somewhere. Um, and Airtable, I think, is the best because it is Excel on steroids. Yeah. Have you used um, Airtable? Um, no, I've never used it before. But I do. So what I'll say about Notion is Notion is very, very good. Notion, I used to, I kind of, you can kind of go through time, look at all the different tools I used. I used to use, well, I, well, when I first started working, I used to store all of this stuff into my head um in, in my head then i moved on to trello and trello is just um it's kind of like the the, the moving of the cards but then i yeah. moved from there to i used the um, product called tick tick for a bit that's a to-do list app a productivity app but i don't use tick tick for work anymore because I, it was getting confusing i would have all of my business and personal to-do lists in one feed so now yeah. i use tick tick for my personal and on the business side, I moved on to Notion. The reason why I moved on to Notion um, is because it's very, very versatile. So you can get Notion to look like a calendar, exactly. like a like an Excel table, like Trello, if you want it to. You can kind of quite easily, um, let's write your future, look and fly, Elizabeth. She's, my she client. Just... She's one of my clients. She's a star. And she <laughs> introduced me to Notion and her team, like, Sorry, just sorry to cut you, but her um, right. her marketing manager uses Excel like a machine. So I've mm. seen the back end. But yeah, carry on to me. Yeah, um, Notion is very uh, versatile. There's a mobile app. There's a web app. Yeah. And it's free. And um, I've had quite a good quite a good time with it. It's a good general tool. Yeah. I see what you're saying about HubSpot. HubSpot is quite um, specialist. Yes. Since I get yeah so don't don't use it a table notion and naturally you'll build it out as you go so don't worry awesome um i don't know how you do this elizabeth but uh yeah viewers have doubled in this short time <laughs> you've been speaking so um yeah if you if you've just joined thank you for joining us this is um elizabeth from the clinic of marketing we're talking about how to grow your business finances any other tools you use elizabeth um I'm not going to say Hootsuite and stuff. Um, I just, I really do recommend a team because team is an operational cost. It's just human version of a tool. Um, and I say that just because I really think we undervalue humans um, over tools sometimes. Um, and humans can do a lot more sophisticated work um, because they're able to think. The systems are systems. They're built the way they're built. So, but humans are able to, you know, think strategically, change, adapt, see trends, have emotional intelligence. And I think if we build that as the main port of our um, tools, then 
the right person will build out that will say to you, oh, Timmy, I think we should start with using a more sophisticated CRM because I see this pattern emerging. Or I'm going to do the business development and I can't use your notion because it does X, Y, Z. Do you know what I mean? So I really, really, really want to um, emphasize that one person can do a lot and will tell you the tools to do. In fact, I'll go as far to say as your first marketing person should nearly be as good as the as in operations as they are in helping you market because they're one day if you have a big company they're always going to be promoted higher and higher to either a vc of marketing head of operations or a chief marketing officer and that's how i see things but in order to do that you need to pull out the data in the marketing which is what someone will do except someone a data scientist all of these things you don't need that you need someone general to, to see stuff and to build so i know that wasn't at all but yeah, I think it's a good No, thing. no. I think like what I love about what you say is that it's very hey Louise, great to see you in the comments. Um and by the way, guys, don't let me co-op this live as a coaching session for myself. <laughs> if you have any questions or observations on growing business finances, you don't have to be a business owner. You can simply be interested in business, be planning to run a business sometime soon, or be running a business of your own, but drop your questions observations, comments in the chat. We get through all of them on the Mr. Money Jar show. Um, lost my train of thought completely. What was I saying? You're saying, because um, I was talking about team as a tool, you're saying that. That's yeah, a yeah. What I love about the way that you speak is that it's very countercultural. Last week when you were on here, you said that you didn't care about how many um, followers a person had. You didn't care if they had 200 or 2,000 or 20,000. Very countercultural because even myself like as a content creator every content creator goes through this phase where you're mm -hmm. checking your followers obsessively every day and that is a metric that you judge yourself by and you look at other people's pages that might be bigger and think that they're achieving a better level of success for you but if you actually think about it logically that's not the case at all it's all about the you know, how, how you're able to, I don't want to use words like monetize and convert because I think they're quite impersonal, but it's actually mm -hmm. about the relationships you're building and the sales that you're able to make, not the overall audience size. Yeah, and just as a caveat, Timmy, from my understanding, please come in from wrong, you see yourself more as a content creator. And I think the yeah. way you make money is important to understand vanity metrics. Vanity metrics are, are important in scenarios. If you are more towards skewed towards an influencer and or content creator, I understand why brands, even if it's not necessarily correct, why their best interests are paying the creators to have the most following or the deepest followers, like the biggest fans. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm definitely a business owner. The issue I see is that many people want to sell business, do business, which is direct to consumer or business, and content creators sell or make their money through a third party, right? So it's a different concept. You're not selling directly. Timmy doesn't necessarily, he has coaching, but, but again, his main business function is being the um, product placement holder. That's a different business strategy than me. So mm. followers cannot, definitely doesn't make sense. But what business owners do is that they do both. They be a content creator, they're on YouTube, they have this, and they, they try to sell things on the side and, you know? So for me, I. Like, we have to be careful what we want to be. And I feel like that's where, Timmy, you're saying in terms of count is culturally counterintuitive because we've seen the rise of the influencer. We've seen the rise of the content creator. People see your success, 
which is not easy because creating graphics is not easy. This, in, in fact, the way you create content, how creative it is, is not easy. But because, no, and yeah, but it's true. But yeah, no problem. But the way you make money is through the third party, which is absolutely fine. I make money through the consumer directly. So I have, I can't. So yeah, just to make that clear. Yeah, but um, I agree with it. Oh, let me just um, read out C. Amina's comment. I've been using Trello, but I'll totally try Notion or Airtable. Yeah, I'm going to try Airtable as a result of this live. Do try Notion because within Notion, you'll get what... So funny thing about Notion is you sort of need a degree in Notion to use <laughs> Notion. But within Notion is the capability to display it the way that you're used to seeing Trello, which is in this kind of waterfall type thing. Um, it, you can use it that way, or you can use it as a table, whatever. Have a look, you'll see. And there are loads of blogs and YouTube um, videos online talking about how it works as well. Yeah. Um, or drop me or Elizabeth a DM. Yes. But um, yeah, I like that point about using people as well. So I hope he doesn't mind me saying, but um, I now work with my brother on Mr. Money Jar, and he um, has been phenomenal in doing that generalist role that um, you're, you're talking about. And I would much rather work with him and get his feedback on systems and processes than be in my room by myself, like using a bunch of like free online tools. Because I, I really do believe in people. That, I mean, what more is a business exactly. than a bunch of people working together, trying to solve problems? So I love that countercultural point. Exactly. And also, I love what you said, feedback. This is what a lot of people don't allow their team members to do properly. Your brother, in order to give feedback that is constructive, he has to understand your business. So I understand that, I assume that he had to learn enough of the back end in order to give you feedback that would be helpful for you. And that's what people don't do either. They just say, here's the business, here's the tools, work the tools. And then they say, oh, do you have any questions or any thoughts on how we can improve this? They're like, I don't know. So, yeah. yeah. By onboarding him, I've actually had to change some stuff because it's a bit like, I, I don't know if you've ever been through period, that's actually my brother in the in the chat, uh, the wildlife on your doorstep. Um, I take I take those two crossed fingers as I don't mind that you've just mentioned <laughs> them. Um, yeah, so uh, when, yeah, bringing him on has also forced me to uh, change some systems and stuff because they were all kind of either in my head yeah. or just based on me. Yeah. Oh, shout out to Emilio for buying a badge. Thank you so much, Emilio. I went to school with thank Emilio. You. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you for tuning in, man. Great to see you. And um, also awesome to see you in um, Clapham Common uh, last year. We bumped into each other. Um, yeah, so it's a bit like, I don't know if you've ever been through periods when... Um, of living by yourself, but you develop lots of weird yeah. habits when you live by yourself. Yeah. I talked to myself more than I realized I did. Yeah. <laughs> by myself. And it was only by living with my now wife that I was able to change some things. Yeah. That's the analogy I'm going to use for, for like business as well. There's a bunch of things you might be doing, which are like very optimized to you, but may not necessarily work if you had another two, three people on board. Completely agree. Completely agree. Perfect analogy um any anything more on the systems and tools no i just don't overcomplicate it if Airtable is mm -hmm. too like google analytics is another thing which people tend to be head over heels over and i completely agree this is why i say you need a generalist and 
even if it takes them, them, not you, to go on a Google Analytics course, so be it. So don't stress about it, but understand your limitations and get help. Awesome. Um, I might drop one in. I actually use Money Dashboard to track my finances for my business. Um, I've, well, I've got two Money Dashboard accounts. I have a personal one and I have a business one. It's an open banking budgeting app. I really like the, you know, the free open banking budgeting apps in general are pretty good. Like Emma uh, Finance has previously been a guest on the show. Yolt um, was a great tool. They've actually pulled the plug on their consumer app um, more recently. But Money Dashboard for me is that complete solution because you can get the mobile app or you can use it on the browser as well. And I use it to once a week, just look through all of my transactions and be like, what did I spend money on and what came in? And you can use that to make small tweaks to, to your spending. So, um, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, I had quite a ridiculous office equipment spend. I just like mm -hmm. went on a bit of an Amazon spree. Yeah. And through using that tool, I was able to just like be aware of that and just know, okay, going forwards, I'm going to spend a bit less on that. I think other areas like travel or transport, things that you, things that could be like a bottomless pit for your business, yeah. it's good to just monitor them and stay on top of them. And that is an excellent tool to be able to, to do that. Yeah, and so just to add to that, I know it's not a tool, that's why I didn't say it, but following on from what you said, I've hired a human <laughs> so I've, I'm gonna I'm gonna work with a finance coach because as you know, if you're if you want your main in, your main income to be your business or your main income is business, understanding how to pay yourself your pension, then um, increasing your net worth, um, buying a house is superiorly is actually definitely more complicated, right? And also, just because you sell five hundred, so you make two grand, it doesn't mean that you are profitable because of what you're mm -hmm. saying, spending taxes that will come out in the next year it's too much for me so i've hired a um, finance coach to help me see what i need to do every single month so a bit like management accounting and just to be um understand the numbers so this is what the tax will look like this is what the threshold will look like this is what you need to pay yourself or to put in dividends and employment as well if i want to ever have someone on payroll i have no idea financially what that looks like so that's what i am doing yeah yeah, yeah. I guess I've been do I've been doing that for myself by actually getting someone in the capacity as a coach to do that will okay. help you see your blind spots. That's uh, uh Benedicta, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. That's cool. Um and then my next question was so you talked about like tools and platforms, but any like resources? Um you're very knowledgeable on this stuff. How did you learn it? Did you, I assume a degree of it is self-taught, but did you read any books? Did you use any, do you have any like websites or blogs that you rec regularly visit? Do you subscribe to any YouTube channels? Um, you know, someone like Neil Patel comes to mind, for example. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna get my books. One second, they're just here. So. Oh, wow. Okay, so building a story brand. This is a good fundamental. The reason why is because a lot of people don't know how to articulate what they do to help the customer. Okay. This is very customer centric. A lot of branding books aren't. They're about 
values and how do you how does the brand make someone feel this is really really um like tactical and you need this the the reason why you need more is because it, it stops at your messaging it doesn't tell you how to post or how to market really uh, so that's one book um and then i'm gonna say what i do personally um two more books so sales the little red book of selling the yeah. reason i say this is because a lot of people are afraid or don't know how to consistently sell they can sell because they've got customers but if you told them to go to a, a meeting room or a networking party they wouldn't know how to do it if that makes sense it's not in they don't feel like it's it's too innate for them to feel like they can do it whenever so this book will just help you just get back to the fundamentals and reconfirm that if you've had customers before you have sold and you can do it and good tips this is a bit more nerdy but there's a difference between content marketing and converting content okay yeah so yeah. If you have no idea what I am talking about, basically content is actually not designed to make sales. Let me say no. that again. Content is not designed to make sales. So when you're copying Timmy, but you're selling direct to consumer, you're gonna be stressed out because the strategy is slightly different. Whether Timmy knows or not, because what attracts a brand for him to be a partner is different from when um, a wedding planner wants to sell directly to the brides. It is different. But if you have no idea what I mean, Cash conversion is actually content that is meant to get someone to make a buying decision, okay? Not to entertain, not to educate, not to inform, not to tell me, but to make a buying decision. A lot of you are posting content because people have told you, which is a lie, that content creation in itself, by doing it consistently, is the goal, is the answer, is the key to sales. It is not. This book will blow your mind. This book will really blow your mind. It's a, a bit, not technical, but obviously I'm a marketing nerd. But if you want to learn what it means to, you know, create content that sells, as you can see, then that's a good book. And um, I don't listen to Neil Patel just because I find like he's a bit too tactical. But um, mm -hmm. Story Brand on YouTube. Um, where's McDowell? He's more about websites, which I love because I feel like a lot of people underperform on their websites. And for me personally, I've spent so much money. I've spent nearly, that, nearly compared to my uni degree on marketing education because I love it okay. so much. So it's not something which I've just, you know, bought books and I'm regurgitating it. I've learned, I've been in masterminds and I've learned this stuff and I've, I have an economic background degree. So that, so I, I, skew more to the behavioral economics which means how people do stuff and why they buy which is a form of marketing or it's mm -hmm. where marketing stems from because marketing changes behavior it tells someone to not who hasn't bought before to buy from you so yeah hopefully that answers your question yeah it definitely does and and more paper favors said in the comments a previous guest on the show as well we'll watch the rest later tonight great information here following you Perfect. um and thank you so much kyle um yeah, I think I, I really relate to that because I had a similar experience when it comes to the financial education side. While I don't have any formal financial qualifications, like I live and breathe this stuff and I, I'm reading about it all the time. I'm yeah. thinking about it. I, I must have read. So I went basically the year I met my wife. But she wasn't my wife at the time. Mm -hmm. But the <laughs> the year that I met Jenny, um, she reintroduced me to reading. And then that year, that next year, 2017, I read 37 books. Wow. And I 
realized that I needed to read in a quite strategic way and quite narrowly if I wanted to become an expert at something. And I chose to read about finance because that's what I found the most interesting at the time. So when you say that you've spent X amount of money and then like time as well, like reading all this yeah. stuff and this stuff takes hours and hours and hours being the equivalent of a uni degree, I can completely understand. And it's like really cool when you find your subject and you just want to throw right. yourself Yes, the day I realised I wanted to do marketing, I've never looked back. And, you know, with finance, I feel like it's even harder for obvious reasons. It's more regulated. It's more, like, trendy because things change all the time. Marketing is kind of slower. You're not going to mm -hmm. have... A, I don't care about the Facebook ads, iOS 14. That's not what I help people do. So kudos to you because you always have to be on the ball. A lot of marketing is timeless. Um, and that's, you know... and But I've had to learn that. And also, which I find... Um, interesting is that when I learned something, it goes back to my uni degree. Even I did economics, all my jobs, and I'm sure you may have, may or may not see similarities as well in what you've learned with what the real life you've experienced. But that really just helped me um, get better because I used to do sales, but now I understood why, if I sell online, how similar I can be from how I was selling cooking oil to restaurants because the books formulated what I was doing and worked me backwards with the <clears> technique <throat> I was doing. That's what mm -hmm. I love about understanding um, things formally as well. Um, great to see you again, James. James just joined the live. Um, very active participant in the previous episode we had with you, Elizabeth. So that's interesting. You say that marketing is timeless. Um, yes. What are some of the timeless marketing principles there are? Because, for example... In finance, I would say, yes, it's quite fast changing, but there are some fundamental principles yes. um, there too, like, you know, like spending less than you earn, investing the rest or um, paying down debt. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that has an APR attached to it, but actually if there isn't an APR attached to it, then you don't need to pay it down so quickly because the overall amount you're going to pay back is, is exactly the same yep. so there's like some fundamental things kind of there which will always be the case so what what, what are those in marketing yeah you may have heard some of this before and this is uh, going to team me up to another rant not a rant but a thing that people may not say so the reason why okay so people have heard the word niche right a lot of people assume that niche is what they do I'm an accountant or it is what they do with who they serve. I'm an accountant for women. I'm an accountant for small businesses. This is the fundamental of marketing because when it comes to marketing, it is sales amplified, which means you're always going to, if you want to make money, you need to get, get people who don't know you to buy from you. So they don't know you from Adam. So that means you need to articulate yourself much better than before if you're new or if you've only been sending to friends. What that means is, is that the reason why people struggle is because they say that literally they sell life insurance for women and that they think that's enough. The reason mm -hmm. I say life insurance is because if you're a life insurance broker or insurance broker, you sell exactly the same thing. So there's no differentiation in terms of even the value add. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. So that's quite hard to market yourself. The way I do, I would use that. And this is, you know, please take notes, guys. If you want to stand out, and especially if you sell the same thing as everyone else, the fundamental is understanding your niche, which is who you serve, the problem you solve, and what through what you do. People don't know the problem they solve. 
Let me give you an example. A lot of people, like I said, say they serve young people with insurance. They serve old people with insurance. They sell women that are working with insurance. The solution, I don't know. So here's an example. This is free game, yeah? Say, you know, you want to help people. You need to get demand. So you need, sorry, you need to serve a actual demand. A reason why lots of people are struggling with life insurance, selling life insurance is because they're targeting people that don't think they need it. And mm. when they say, like us, people our age, I'm not saying we don't need it, please don't get me wrong, but people that are in their late 20s, early 30s, working, healthy, their mum and dad are good, they have, are stable, they have a family, they have good income, they're saving, they may not see the benefit of life insurance. However, if you now go to the market where there is, i.e. chronic people, for example, I, this, for example, I help chronic people um, stabilise their income throughout their years, through insurance that's a solution because chronic people are um discriminated against they're less likely to get promotions and they're less likely to be in jobs much 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 um, less compared to people that are not chronically ill that's the actual problem but insurance brokers they want to help everybody but that's a demand mm -hmm. that needs to be met that isn't met so another one i help stay-at-home women um in, maintain their um, income through insurance. I'm just making these up. But again, yeah. you see the problem. That if you, people, so many people just love saying, I help black women, I help white women, I help blue women, I help with X. The hmm. most important thing is the solution through your uh, method. So those things, niche and the demand that is already there. Some people are selling ice to Eskimos. That's mm. and life insurance, unfortunately, is like that because everyone is selling life insurance. It's harder to be differentiated. You can't add money. You can't add a little top up. Is and you, if you're a broker, you can't. You're not loyal to any company, so you can't even promote a company over another. Really, so I wanted to give the hardest example I can give that is really in our market and how to do better marketing with it. So I hope that you know answers your question. Yeah, um, and you know. The word problem has a negative connotation, but it, it really is the word we need to use here. Because if you if you are not scared by the word problem, you're able to identify problems in the world around you, you immediately enter this space where you're like, well, how can I help people to solve them? And how can I help people's lives to improve? Um, no, you can say problem, you can say opportunity, you can say challenge. Um, I actually had a business prior to like the, the reason I'm saying this, I had a business prior to Mr. Money Jar and it didn't get off the ground. It was supposed to be a, you know, an open banking um, app that helped you manage your subscriptions. But the thing is, it was just an idea. Mm -hmm. And it was around the time when open banking was first taking off. And I didn't really have any idea as to the problem that I was helping to solve. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you really, yeah, I think like business forces you to see things from other people's points of view and to genuinely yeah. like to inhabit their mindset and to like, be like, yeah, what challenges does this person face and how is what I'm doing going to help them overcome that? Yeah. I think that what's also tricky is that sometimes some businesses solve problems and they're like, it doesn't really seem fair that they get to solve those problems that's not very well articulated, so I'll give you an example. Yeah. But like um, cigarettes, for example, cigarettes are like really harmful, but like they solve problems for people. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think on the flip side, a lot of people want to sell luxury, but but because they see Ferrari, um, all these designers sell a, a thing which doesn't necessarily solve a problem. It's more like a social, not a social need, but a luxury. People tend to struggle even more. For me, it's the most easiest. Obviously, depending on what you sell, if you want to sell something that's harmful, that's up to you. That's not for me to, to say. But generally, most people have a solution or have a business which solves a problem that they can't articulate yet. I don't care if you're a wedding planner. It is not obvious why someone should choose you over them if you don't see the problem. Because a wedding, a bride, two brides can be completely different. I'm sure, Timmy, your wife is different to me. We can, we may not have, one may have a big budget, one may have a small budget, one may have um, problems with, you know, the amount of people that they have. One may want to do one abroad. Like, so... I think a lot of people just put everyone in the same box and just say, look, I'm a wedding planner. Of course you didn't hire me. And then when people say, oh, um, why should we have you over someone else? They start out or say, oh, because it's me. Or they discount their prices. Discounting mm -hmm. your prices is the main way I can tell you don't know how to articulate yourself. Because if you did, no one would ever ask you or you would never feel that you need to. Yeah, because it's sort of like it's that same issue of you just lower your price to increase demand. You don't actually get to the nub of what, what you're trying to do. Yes, you cheat. You cheat yeah. because people are, are more likely going to buy if it's cheaper. But some people still don't even yeah. have customers. So I think messaging and articulation, <laughs> it's true. It's true. They still don't get customers. They still don't because they, because the people that ask winning are the bigger brands. brands. So it's it's messaging will save a lot of people in business because it's the easiest way to get money from actual customers yes you can do luxury yes you can do um you know if you know Mar um, marlo's hierarchy of needs you can sell something that's in the higher tier right. a lot of people need safety they need um you know love relationships they need the basic the bottom two if you solve a problem within the bottom two hierarchy of needs sorry i don't remember it you, it will be easier to make a lot of money. But if you're trying to sell stuff about um, self-actualization or luxury or things that are not necessarily a necessity, you need to work harder with your messaging. Yeah, actually, let me... Um, that's a great model to reference. Um, so the bottom two are psychological needs and safety needs. Yeah. Yeah. And so people want to feel good and want to feel better and they need and you know people need to physically feel better and people like around them they need people around them to feel better as well so hiring people etc. Before we um wrap up this conversation I just wanted to like give you the the floor really and just ask you if you had any other mm -hmm. any other like closing remarks any other comments thoughts um not just from today's episode but from last week as well that, that you just wanted to yeah just say just speak your mind equally if you're listening to this and anything that we've spoken about on this live has resonated with you please uh drop your um thoughts in the chat um yeah i'm sure this will be happy to answer yes please ask questions but i'm gonna say something which is not not com commonly said people stop focusing on building your brand I'm going to say this again. Wow. Stop focusing on building your brand. Yeah. Focus on the niche because, okay, a brand, we know that it's not a logo and colors only, but it's actually values, your mission statement. 
a stuff which, in my opinion, most of us cannot articulate as well as because we haven't served enough customers. The, the reason why I say this as well is that every time a brand strategist says, oh, look at this person, they're talking about celebrities, massive corporations like Apple, or very high profile people. So their brand has already been built over years. Mm. We don't lend ourselves to that. So we're giving bad examples to people that are never going to be, not rich, but never going to be that well known or going to be that much of a public profile, which is why it, anything Rihanna sells, sells. Obviously, she bought a brand before, but she built a brand from the music. She didn't say, anyway, music's different. So with most of us, <laughs> with most of us, accountants, um, fitness people, I don't care. I don't care if you have the, I don't care if you're getting, if people love your brand. What people tend to get when they build their brand, which is maybe for some people, is podcast interviews, interviews in general, IG lives, collaborations. Me, myself, I would rather be known for people buying my item at full price, solving a problem. Because from that foundation, I'll be able to build a brand. To, in my opinion, you can't build a true brand if you haven't served a lot of customers. Why? Yeah, that is true. And a lot of people scream <clears throat> brand first. Build a brand, but I know these people don't make money. And I know That's... I don't sell £200 things either. So I have, So what should you do instead? Have a niche, which is person, specific person, the problem you solve through what you sell, yeah? And making sure you're problem-focused. Don't build a business brand. Solve problems, get customers in, then build your brand from that data. Yeah, yeah, no, I... So when you first said, like, don't build your, stop focusing on building your brand, I felt hella seen. But <laughs> now that you've been at home, I know what you're talking about because um, Andy Aim, I don't know if you've heard of yep. him. Yeah, yeah. He says exactly the same thing. He says, like, focus on, like, solving problems and solutions first. Because when you talked about building a brand but not actually having a product, so the first thing that came to my mind was the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix. Yep which is like, you can have the best website, the best logo, the best yeah. like advertising campaign. But actually, if it's not based on anything, there's no underlying uh, product or service or problem that's being solved, then the house of cards will eventually fall. Or you'll get opportunities that don't pay you because obviously you'll be a thought leader and you look good on this campaign. But the reason, the way I know if you feel like you're being a brand building or not is to feel like if you can go on Dragon's Den. Dragon's Den, you will never ever see just a brand because their brands do well. It's the numbers, it's the customers, it's the growth, it's the finances. This is how I know they've got a sustainable business. Then the brand can grow like BrewDog. BrewDog is now a brand because they've proved their model so many times, financially, mm. physically, that they were able to build a brand upon that. Same with Glossier, same with Apple, same with Rihanna, right? So I think a lot of brand strategists, I don't know why, but they jump to the people that have already done so well that it doesn't make sense. And it leads people astray to the point where people don't even feel like they can post a different color on their Instagram account because it will mess up the grid. <laughs> this, is how, this is how deep it has gotten. And it, so stop building a brand, get paying customers at full price, then you can build a brand. The second thing is for me, for me, this is not for everyone. Let me be clear. If you're influencer or content creator, this is may not be the right advice, but stop building a personal brand. It's a similar thing because a lot of people will want to be the thought leader, the star of the show, but they don't know their customers. They don't know the problem they solve. 
they want to be on podcasts talking about politics and talking about um you know black twitter topics this is what i feel like a personal brand um it's easier for basically what i'm saying is it's easier for, for people to fall astray with a personal brand but again think about the service i would much more rather get my net worth from the services i sell than me doing speaking gigs me writing mm. this is just me i would rather have people know oh elizabeth not elizabeth but this xyz product, product or service is is making me so much more money because so many other customers have bought it i don't want people to buy because of me because when i get pregnant when i don't want to work and i think this is because i'm a woman when i have children if i have a personal brand it it also, it does change things i don't care what anyone says so instead of thinking of personal brand do be on camera not saying that i'm on camera but i am pushing my service yeah i'm not pushing myself or my lifestyle and again if you're serving of doing a business direct to consumers or businesses this is the advice i advise if you're a content creator that is fundamentally the opposite of what i'm saying so disregard it but if you're selling if you want to make money from the business you have created stop focusing on personal brand because you don't it doesn't teach you how to obsess about the customer which is my third thing we have to do better with obsessing about the customer most of us sorry that's um, something Jeff Jeff Bezos says a lot mm -hmm. in his philosophy about Amazon. And I want to go deeper because a lot of people say that and they're like, how, what, when, where? The thing I see is that a lot of people focus on the demographics of the people. The black person, the woman, the young woman, the old man. This does not give you any sense. Say to me or me, yeah, I was, we were selling to white middle class people. If we had a team where we said we're going to serve white middle class people and all of, none of us were like that, it would be very hard to sell and, and of course talk to customers. But how do you get an insight? What I would say is go two levels deeper, the psychographics and the social graphics. The psychographics is how they think. So what I get my clients to do is think about the customer journey. So I know this is, this is, I know this is a lot, but I have to say this. If no, you focus... Yes. Uh, sorry, Elizabeth. I uh, just want to acknowledge uh, Malik, Mr. Goodman. Thank you, Malik. Um, who brought, who brought uh, a badge. Thank you so much. It's great to see you on the live. Good, sir. Do continue, Elizabeth. Okay. So demographics, all net demographics is what town they live in, what they look like, maybe education. Great. They have five kids. Nice. Cool. The issue is, it's like so easy to feel out of touch with those people very easily. However, the customer journey allows you to understand the demo, sorry, the psychographics and the social graphics. Psychographics, by definition, is how they think, and the social graphics is the experiences they've had. Okay, so I'm just making the story up, but generally, middle class people have gone to a good school which has been paid for. They have never needed to. This is a general. This is not even a generalization. I'm just making this up. They have ne say you want to sell, you know, open banking app to middle class people for some reason. You, you, see, you identify that middle-class people, okay, cool, they like to, you know, look at their money. However, the problem that you find is that a lot of people, a lot, because they're middle-class, they have money, a lot of money's everywhere, and they've never used to, they never needed to, they're, never not, they're not used to having a lot of money in their name, they're used to having things paid for. That is psychologically a different way of handling money than someone who has had to work for their money, pay for stuff for their money, etc etc if we're even going as far as their, their family are well known or wealthy or they're just really well off 
most of most of middle class um, again i'm not generalizing i'm just making it up they are used to being cuddled financially or they may have a million pounds sent to them and it's just there because they've never needed to spend the money because they always have money they've never mm. needed to work so when it comes to this person starting the workforce or having a higher paying job or having a partner which means they have to share money they're, they're fearing about, you know, show, um, seeing how much someone has in terms of money, in terms of them knowing, them not, tell, like, there's so much psychological things that someone needs to do when they have a partner, because they have to share everything. So, again, I'm, I know I'm not making much sense, but I'm just trying to say that there's a storyline as to why that person is the way they are. And the more mm -hmm. you're able to articulate it with the, with the environmental factors that they have been through, with the way they think, i.e., hey, I'm going to put everything AMX because I have never needed to worry about paying that back and forth after a month. It doesn't, like, mathematically, it doesn't even make sense. Or I'll go to my dad's, like, when I didn't have a job, I just went to my dad's, you know, workplace, or I stayed in my dad's, you know, extra bedroom. Like, you know what I mean? It's a different psychological factor. And they probably don't look at finances the same way as someone who doesn't because of X, Y, Z. So these are the things that transports anyone who doesn't even know that person from Adam to be better at understanding that customer. Of course, yeah, yeah. go through the customer, go talk to the customer first, but that's how you build a picture for your team and for yourself. Yeah, no, but what you're saying makes perfect sense. Cause again, I can, as someone who's tried a few business ideas, when you first start a business, the business is like your baby. And therefore yeah. it can be quite, you can be quite blinkered. It can be quite difficult to focus on the customer because you're so busy focusing on your idea yes. and the execution of your idea. But what that can sometimes mean is that you're running at lightning speed in like completely wrong direction. And um, this is where having something like a business coach or working with people like Elizabeth can be really helpful because you can <laughs> just need someone to bring you back down to earth and be like, yeah, you're building this thing or you're selling this thing but like who are you actually building it for? Are you building it for yourself? Well, then you're just, you're gonna have two customers, yourself and your mum. Like you actually wanna sell <laughs> the people more broadly. You do need to look at the psychographics and the actual people that you're trying to, to sell to. A hundred percent. And I think a lot of people, the good news is, is that a lot of people, if they've sold enough, the patterns are there, they just don't see the patterns because obviously no one is reflective enough to help them get there, which is why I say team is important. And like Timmy said, coaching is important because every customer I've served, I've been able to see the patterns night and day, night and day. It's just that they've been working on their brand, their values, the mission of the company. In my opinion, your values and missions are going to change because you're going to work with better and better customers to be quite yeah. fun. So again, it doesn't make, this is why I don't, lean myself to say i'm a personal brand or a brand um coach just because it leans you to be selfish within yourself it leans mm -hmm. you it's not it shouldn't do but it leans you to um but psychographics i remember i did an economic degree so that's why i know those words in the first place psychographics is how the, the world we live in how they have how what have happened what's happened to them psychographics is the opposite what they think that makes their worlds the way their world is So the external and the internal. Yes, and the the demographics is the least important because not all black people have the same thing. So I know I'm going to run. The thing is, a lot of people put <laughs> black people in the same boat. Black people need this. Black people need that. There are so many different facets to black people. Is is so I think demographics 
answered the least. Of course, it's important because it depends on, especially with campaign management and campaign creation. But when it comes to psychographics, so sociographics and psychographics and then demographics, that's where you should go. And the customer journey will allow you to see not only how they behave, but how they choose products. For example, this middle-class white person can only go to HSBC because it's a legacy thing. They're never gonna go to your bank, not because they don't want to, but again, this is where it comes to demand. So how can, what can we do to change that or to meet that demand? Do we collaborate with HSBC or do we do something that, an app for HSBC or do we do something completely different from banking, but maybe to do with personal finances where the loyalty isn't there? Definitely so much food for thought. And I think that um, we could definitely delve even deeper into this. I'm just just looking at time and I'm conscious of time. Thank you so much for um, like coming on the show again and, and just blessing us with your knowledge, with your expertise and with your care. Because what, one of the things that really comes across when you speak is that you are speaking from a place of very deep expertise and that you do generally care about people's businesses and people's business outcomes. I would love for you to before we wrap up the conversation, share with everyone how they can, how can we get you know, learn more from you um, and get more involved with the the clinic of marketing. Like, where can we find you? What yeah. products and services do you offer? What do you have coming up next? Give us the whole shebang, please. Yeah, so I need to start YouTube. I've been saying that now that I've said it publicly, please hold me accountable. So that's the best way because I do feel yeah. like long form content serves me. I have content on my profile on my Instagram, the clinic of marketing, but I need to reboot myself because I feel like content creation, I need to stop thinking content creation is an, a thing that I do in a mood. So um, I'm, don't worry, I'm going to post a lot more content. Um, also, I'm going to have a pr private podcast. So okay. what that means is, is that there's an app now that allows you to have a podcast, not on Spotify because I don't allow it, but on Google Podcast, on Apple Podcast. Basically, you'll be able to find it, but it won't be Googleable. So it's like my audio email list. So instead of me writing, because I know my strength, I'll be doing a podcast which you can you know, listen to and it'll be much deeper because I feel like with Instagram, I know how the customer journey is with Instagram. It's a different place to someone who listens to the podcast. So if you want to join my private podcast, which is, you know, up and running, I just haven't launched it, please send me your email because it's private and it'll be, you know, that's what you can do. And obviously my profile has content there. Um, and those are the three ways that you can learn for free. If you want me to work with you or, you know, learn more, just DM me. But I don't, I'm not going to even push that just because I want you. To, I want to serve you with the free content I have. I have a lot to say, as you can imagine. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to, I love the idea of a private podcast and I'll be sending, well, you've got my email anyway. Yes. So I'll, okay. I'll catch up with you yeah. after this to, to be added to that because that sounds like a really fascinating concept. That brings us to the end of uh, today's episode. Thank you to everyone who stayed with us for the hour. I hope that you learned a lot. I certainly did. I mean, the first 50% of this was a bloody coach session for my coaching <laughs> Um Elizabeth, yeah, just always a pleasure speaking to you. You're such a fantastic speaker. You're so knowledgeable and the, your growth has been phenomenal. And I just wish you all the success going forward as well. Thank you. And, Same uh, to you. Thank you. And um, yeah, we'll be back. Um, I know slightly later in the week for this episode, but we'll be back next week, Monday, with another special guest. So until then, uh, do take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye.